Amen. Hey, one more announcement. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked you guys to consider helping us out with our safety team and security team. And we had a host of men and women sign up and say, we'd love to. We're already showing up to church. We're showing up early, staying late, saying yes to everything. We already see what's going on. And we'd love to be a part, a, a greater organized part of kind of watching the doors and making sure people get where they're supposed to go. And so if you've noticed, there are a few people that are now doing that. And there's a security team and a safety team in play. And we're so grateful for that. Again, men and women that have been going to church here for many years, serving in that way. And the way we kind of organized it. Don Dinnerstein has uh, been leading the way and, and so grateful for him and his family and the way they serve here at the church and Michael in the sound booth back there, his son, and so many ways. And the way we've kind of established that is there's kind of a level of, of security and safety. Like, hey, I just want to show up early and I'll just help people and greet them. And then maybe if you have more qualifications in your life, you're, you're like a level two or something. You have some more training in your background. Or maybe you're a medical person. We actually have medical people that we've identified that will say, while I'm at church, I'll just be available if anybody, you know, chokes on one of Luke's uh, jokes or something like that and just like, you know, just laugh so hard, you know, and they need an EpiPen or something like that. It happens, it happens. And so uh, if you see the men and women uh, around doing that, we're just doing our best to make this a safer place in the uh, days that we live in, 2022. Uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask one of the pastors or Don or myself or any one of the guys and gals. We're just trying to make it a more welcoming place. Additionally, we really want, I'm just going to put this out there, we really want South Beach Church to continue to be a welcoming place to every single person. Can I get an amen? An amen. A welcoming place. Have you ever been, and don't answer too enthusiastically, have you ever been to a church before and not been welcoming? Welcome there, not felt welcome. You're like, I don't know if I will. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we want the exact opposite experience here at South Beach Church where every single person, new and old, new and old, shows up to the church. They're welcome, they're embraced, they're brought in, and they're encouraged. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because that's how the Lord looks at you. He sees you when you come in, and it's important that we also reciprocate that to the men and women around us. And so I just want to put that on you. If you're not part of the safety team or the security team or the usher team or the deacon team or the first impressions team, okay, you're still part of God's team. You're still part of that bigger movement where God's going to use you to help others find their way into the body of Christ and into fellowship. And I'll just say the same thing I've been saying because I've been quoting out of Proverbs. He who wants friends, must he himself be friendly. Man, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is hospitality. That is loving other people that you don't know necessarily, people outside your fold. So be that as it may, uh, we're excited what God is doing and the way God is growing and guiding our church. And I, 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 I look at the clock real quick. Some of you guys wonder what I look at. I'm just looking at the clock, <laughs> seeing how much time we have. Um, let me just give one announcement. I think it was um, January 17th this last year, January 17th, I had a two and a half hour meeting uh, in my office with, with a friend of mine. And he's a landowner here in town, right, right above the hill. And I was meeting with him and his daughter. And after about two and a half hours, we, we came to a conclusion of you know, negotiations. And, and, and I said, Is it, are, you, are you happy with this deal? You know? And two and a half hours later, he said yes. And, and I, I smiled and shook his hand, okay, yes. And, and that was January 17th. And then we prayed and we continued to move forward. And then on May 27th, there's two landowners really, it's a brother and sister. And on, on May 27th, I was talking to his sister and, and she agreed also to the terms of the negotiation for the land. And, and I was so happy. It was May 27th. I texted my wife and I told her what happened. And she texted me back and she couldn't believe it. She was crying. She came home. We were both crying because this has been a long time coming as we've been trying to find land. And that was May 27th. It was special to me because the 27th is Psalm 27, you know, and you, you fear no evil, you know, I'm your God, I'm with you. And in Psalm 27, Seven verses 13 and 14 says, I would have lost hope had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And I just remember that was May 27th and then weeks and weeks went by until August 24th. And on August 24th, my wife's birthday, we had another two and a half hour meeting at some lawyer's offices and we went into a purchase agreement. We signed a bunch of documents and lawyers were there and I took a couple of selfies, they're awesome, you know. And, and it was on August 24th and then in September, the very next Sunday, we had our first ever service up there on the hill. We had our fun run up there and our Sunday service and it was just powerful and amazing. So fun, you guys got to meet Dave Stoker, my friend who's the landowner who we're buying the property from that day. And then September moved into October and now we're in October and tomorrow's October 31st and tomorrow we're going to Western Title and tomorrow is going to be the final day where we sign the final documents to get the land that God has provided to us. So let's always thank the Lord. Let me back it up just a little more because I believe one of the things we've been praying for for the last nine years, uh, we began our search on August 29th, 2013. That's nine years ago. How many of you guys weren't born then at this time? You weren't even here? You know, it's a long time ago. And we began our search for land. We began praying and anticipating that the Lord would just kind of show us the way. Like, you know, let's just do it. We, we have a need. God's going to show us. And for nine years, we've been looking for land. We've been asking God where he wants us to go. And it's been such a fun process, such a fun journey to see God develop us and grow us along the way. And just last year, November 3rd, November 3rd, I remember I, I met somebody on the phone and, and he called me and encouraged me in my faith. He encouraged me in my faith. He said, Luke, in order to move forward, leading the church, in order to take the land, you have to take steps of faith in order to honor the Lord. And if you take steps to honor the Lord, God's gonna honor you. And I began to just receive this. And not that we weren't taking steps of faith. I believe we have in Jesus' name. I truly believe we have. But for such a time as this, and we began to make steps of faith, that was November 3rd, and I came to church on November 7th, so just a year ago this week. And I came to church on November 7th, and I made some announcements. I said, we're gonna buy a building. We're gonna order a building. Turns out buying a building's harder than I thought, you know, so we haven't, we haven't bought the building yet, you know, have a few, few things to figure out. But we made a decision and a step of faith that we're gonna buy a building before we even own the land. And then I made another announcement because the Lord was leading us. I said, and we're going to, in that building, start a school. And the crowd went crazy. And I was like, whoa. And it was nuts. And here we are now, a year later. This week, November 3rd. It's in my calendar. I write, yeah, I write this stuff down. It's because I've wanted desperately, and you should too, anything that the Lord does in your life, it has to glorify him. It has to be his story. It's history. It's his story it has to glorify him. When you look back on your life and say, how'd you get married and how'd you get this business and how'd you get through that obstacle and how'd you get over this thing? You have to be able, amongst all other people, say, oh, dude, that was, that was the Lord. The Lord did it. The Lord gave me the strength. The Lord guided my steps. The Lord picked me up. The Lord fought my battles. Because somebody's gonna look to you and say, add a guy or add a gal or add a boy or good job. Like, I appreciate it, but it's the Lord's faithfulness. It's the Lord's faithfulness. And so tomorrow at noon, we're meeting at Western Title. Uh, so thankful for the school also that started this last year. I was at, in Toledo last night watching some flag football and people were asking me about the school. They didn't know about the school. And how's the school? How many kids are going there? And they couldn't believe the testimony and really the success that we're experiencing here in, in the things that God's guiding us in. Because where God guides, God provides and if it's God's will, he will pay the bill. And our firm commitment, listen, listen, is just to stay just a few steps behind the Lord. Have you ever run out in front of the Lord before? <laughs> oh, no man's land. Careful, careful. Our commitment, we're going to see that in the text today, is just to stay a few steps behind him, which means that you're trusting him and leading. And occasionally in your life, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm a few steps behind you, but it doesn't look like you're going anywhere. 
You know, you got your track shoes on, you got your rapture pants on, you're ready to go. And, and the Lord's doing stuff. He's always doing stuff. And I want to encourage you, the household of faith, okay, that God has not just brought us this far, just to bring us this far. This is next level nuts. What's going to happen next what God is going to do, where God is going to lead and provide here in Lincoln County at South Beach Church and for South Beach Christian School and all the many ministries that are yet to come, okay? It's going to be the greatest days that you've ever seen in your life moving forward. I do believe because our God is for us, not against us. It's because that's what he wants to do. And so I'm super excited about what God is going to do. I can't believe what God has done. I look around, people come visit the church and I give them a quick tutorial. I'm like, this used to be a parking lot and we had a 27 feet of building and there used to be a stage over there and I tell them the whole story and here we are. And now we get to trust the Lord to make an exodus from this building, which if you don't know, the condemnation date is uh, January 1st, 2024. So I think that's a Sunday. Don't come to church that day. <laughs> don't come to, just kidding. And so we're going to trust the Lord for what's next. Can I say that to say this, though? Pray about how the Lord would have you to help us move forward in this next journey. As the board has been getting together and praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? You want us to go to the bank and get a big old loan and just you know, go ahead of you and, and, and get it done? We're, we're praying that. Lord, is that what you want us to do? This is very common. It's very common. People do this all the time. It's maybe not a bad thing, but is it a God thing? And I'll give you some more details later when I'm allowed to on the finances of the church and where we're at moving forward. But I firmly believe that God is going to use the body of Christ to do the things of Christ, to do the work of Christ. He's going to use each and every one of us as we move forward, and he's gonna be faithful to you as he's already been faithful. So those are all uh, more announcements that, again, I looked at the clock, I was like, should I do it? Should I say those things? But this is what's happening, and we're such a transparent church here. We really just, it's just, it's your church, it's our church, it's the church of God, and we're so grateful for what he's doing. So before we get into Joshua 3, where they've been waiting 40 years to cross over into the promised land, and now it's that day. Interesting that we would be here on this Sunday by God's guidance, God's provision, because where you are in the word is where you are. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we bow before you and we humble ourselves. And we ask, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in everything you've done. You have already done enough in each one of our lives. Each one of us could, Lord, if given the opportunity, write a book. It might not be a large book, but we could all write a book about what you've done, how you've delivered us, your faithfulness to us, your goodness toward us. We could also, Lord, if we had the forethought, continue to write that book and follow you as you unfold our life, Lord, and use us for your glory and for others' good. And so we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. But we also, Lord, look to you in what you want to do. In Jesus' name, would you humble us? Lord, on this October 30th, 2022, as we study this portion of Scripture now and anticipate, Lord, the best years to come for the glory of God and the good of God. What for such a time as this? Lord, most of the people here right now listening to this prayer, Lord, they're Bible guys and Bible gals. They know the seasons and the signs and the times. They know what's going on. That's why we're at a church. That's why we're studying your word. That's why we're putting our antenna up and saying, Lord, use me. Use my time, talent, and treasure. My days, dollars, and deeds. Use me, Lord. Use me for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the hill. We pray you take it again and give us wisdom and guidance. We trust you for everything. May you get the glory in our community, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Joshua chapter three is where we're at. And we're gonna do a little bit of going back into Joshua chapter two for some principles and some pictures that I believe are applicable. But before we do that, let's read verses one through five. 
Then Joshua arose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and they came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and they lodged before and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's 10 football fields. Do not come near it, that is the Ark of the Covenant, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Brand new territory. Verse five, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And as God is continuing to keep his promises to the children of Israel and to Joshua and to Moses and to Abraham and to all the men and women of faith, God has not missed anything. He is right on time, right on point, and he's picking up right now, leading Joshua into the promised land that was promised years and 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 years earlier to Abraham, the father of faith. And God told Abraham, come out from your people, follow me, and I will make you a father of many, a father of nations. And Abraham looked at God, looked around, and says, let's do it. Now, he had no child at the time. You guys know Abraham's story. And for many years following the Lord, he would have no child. Sarah was barren in her womb. And yet the promise to Abraham was, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. And Abraham continued, though not perfect, continued to trust the Lord no matter what. And here we find ourselves hundreds of years later, God fulfilling his promises. This should give you great joy and great comfort in your hearts right now, that no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what you haven't experienced in your life, God is still going to fulfill his promises in his time for his purposes and do it his way, amen? He's gonna do it. And what he's asked you to do, because there's so many negative people out there, there's so many critical people out there. There's so many haters out there. And there's so many armchair quarterbacks out there just calling shots how they should be. This should be this way. It should be this way. It should be this. Just let the Lord decide when and where and who and what he does and how he does it. And we saw this amazing story in the book of Joshua chapter two with the Rahab the harlot and the spies being sent in to spy out the land. And there's some principles and some pictures in the Old Testament that we want to extract and apply to our own life so we would understand how to move forward. The Bible says specifically in the book of Romans 14 and also also 1 Corinthians 10, it says that all the Old Testament things that happened, listen, were written for our learning, for our admonition that we might also have hope in the gospel and not lose heart. So we can look at how God has done something in the life of somebody else. Don't you guys think that experience is the best teacher? Doesn't have to be your experience though. It can be somebody else's. So a few things, a few principles, if you're a note taker, write these four things down from chapter two. I'm just gonna rip right through them. Number one, Rahab seemed like an unlikely person for God to save. Of all the people that God's gonna save, why would he save a harlot? Why would he save this woman? And it's a principle in the Old Testament for a principle in the, it's a picture in the Old Testament for a principle in the New Testament that God saves whosoever would come unto him. And by no means does he cast anybody out that would have faith and call upon him. This is important that we see this. Because we tend to judge the outside, we tend to size people up and say, well, that person can't be saved and that person's not gonna make it in. Look who Jesus picked in his 12 disciples. Of Jesus' 12 disciples, seven of them were fishermen. What the heck was he thinking? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're thinking you're going to change the world. Like, I'm going to get some fishermen. You know, they're pretty salty. They're pretty hardcore. You know, fishermen take risks. Fishermen are loyal. Fishermen are faithful. Fishermen are strong. Fishermen know how to take orders. Okay, he chose fishermen. He chose peasants. He chose farmers. 
He only chose one smart, super ultra qualified guy. He was from Portland. And his name was Judas. He was from Jerusalem. He was from the big city. He only chose one guy in that way. And even that wasn't a wrong choice. That was to fulfill prophecy. Let me just say it this way, please listen. We see this Old Testament picture of Rahab being chosen by God. Miraculous. If you didn't hear the teaching last week, go listen to it. Rahab would not only be saved, but she would stop being a harlot. She would repent of her ways. She would marry a guy named Sam, and they would have a kid named Boaz. Boaz then would marry a woman named Ruth. There's a whole Bible book for Ruth, okay? Miracle story. Ruth would have a kid named Obed. Obed would have a kid named Jesse. Jesse would have a kid named David, and so on and so forth. And you can see Rahab's name included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, in Matthew chapter 1. As a matter of fact, I was thinking this through. Rahab is the only person mentioned besides Joshua in chapter two. The two spies, we don't even know who it was. These guys had a pretty big mission, like, oh, we're a pretty big deal. Make sure and write down who we are. Nah. What, we're just the spies? Just the, huh, okay. And Rahab goes down in history. Now, here's my challenge, because we know that Rahab was an unlikely person to be saved, but God did it for his reasons and for his purposes. But this can be challenging for us who are called to be witnesses. When Jesus taught the parable of the sower and the seed, he says that when the sower sows the seed, that is the seed of the gospel of Jesus, some falls on the rocky soil, some the thorny, some the well-trodden path, and some on good soil, right? So your ROI, your return on investment for sowing the gospel is a 75% failure rate, 25% success rate. How many of you guys just in your flesh would be discouraged by that? Like, that's discouraging. You know, like you play basketball for every four shots, you make one. Like, maybe I should do golf. You know, maybe I should, you know, maybe it's the wrong sport. Hey, when I don't find my, myself walking in complete success in something, I can always chalk it up and say, well, I just, I'm doing it wrong or I should do something differently. Jesus said, no, sow the soil. Let me save who I save. You sow the word. I get picky when I sow the word. A little bit of gospel, like, oh, no, oh, yeah. I guess nobody here is getting saved, you know, and I walk away, and I leave the coffee house, and the Lord's like, what are you doing, dude? I need to repent. Do you guys need to repent? Let me just keep going through here. Okay, number one, Rahab seemed like an unlikely person for God to save. Number two, we saw also that the only people who got saved are the ones who stayed in Rahab's house. You had to stay in the house to get saved. There's no other way to get saved. You had to stay in the house of what? Faith. Judgment was coming, and a lot of people hear this. They say, well, that's not fair. It's like, well, <laughs> we're not asking what's fair. It's true, judgment is coming. This world must be weighed in the scales and in the balances and it must be dealt with and only those who put their faith in Jesus and stay in that household of faith will be saved from judgment. Now let me just say this again because this is offensive. There's all kinds of other options out there, isn't there? Options, not not good ones, but there's options. How many other uh, types of faith can you think of right now? There's Islam, there's Buddhism, there's just spirituality. I'm just a spiritual person. I'm just a spiritual person, you know. Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No, that's, 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 that's like fighting words already. But then in case you missed it, it's like, oh, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, his disciples could have been like, hey, Jesus, you keep talking like that, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. You know, and Jesus is like, I know. Like, he literally would be killed within 36 hours. Like, he's dead. He knew it. And if, he did, if it wasn't true, he wouldn't have said it. But if it wasn't important, he wouldn't have said it. It was very important. And I just say that to put it out there. Because you might say in your flesh or somebody might say, well, that's not fair. Well, we're not, or I don't like that. Look, Jesus, I'm not surprised that Jesus has condensed it into one way. That's not offensive to me. 
It's not surprising to me. What's surprising to me is that there is any way at all. Any way at all to heaven. I know who I am and I know who you are. I see your Facebook profile. I know what's going on. And man, that God would save any of us is a miracle. You gotta stay in the household of faith. Number three, this is important. The cord that was used to deliver the spies and rescue the harlot was a scarlet cord. This, this picture, this Old Testament picture. Notice it wasn't a blue cord. I guess she wasn't a Boise State you know, fan. She wasn't one of the Bronco, you know, the, the blue field. And it wasn't orange. She wasn't into pumpkins and stuff like that, you know. And, and it wasn't black. And it wasn't just a normal rope. It's a scarlet cord on purpose. Because that scarlet cord, that color scarlet, reminds us of Isaiah chapter 1. Where Isaiah says, in chapter 1 he says, though your sins are like says scarlet. You should read it. Well, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. In Matthew 27, right when Jesus is about to be crucified, they've beaten him, they've whipped him, they put a crown of thorns mocking him on his head, and then to seal the deal, someone said, hey, why don't you put a robe on him, a scarlet robe, and he was clothed in this. It all points back to Jesus and what he does. Now, here's the thing. The spies were delivered, that is, from captivity in Jericho through the scarlet cord, and Rahab in Jericho was preserved from judgment in Jericho. Do you know that Jesus does the same for you and me? He delivers us from our bondage and he preserves us and protects us from judgment. It all points to Jesus and I think we could just sit there and think this is crazy that all this happened. It wasn't just some arbitrary cord. It was a scarlet cord and the fourth point that I just want to extract as we move through here is that these spies that were sent into Jericho weren't really spies at all. They were witnesses. They were sent to spy out the land, but what God actually used them for was to save and to witness to Rahab and to provide a way of life for her and salvation. Now these two, let me pay attention, this is very important, this is actually change your life if you believe it. These two witnesses are to represent people moving in the spirit-filled life, so to all of Joshua and his people, what it's like in the new spirit-filled life. You've been saved, you've been baptized through the Red Sea, you've been baptized, you're a believer, but you're also now filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit's power in you. And what's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit's power in you? Let me just quote Jesus. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. I heard two things, conviction of sin. What else did I hear? Salvation. Both are absolutely true as well. Jesus said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit would be given and he would convict you of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. That the Holy Spirit would birth in you new life, the Holy Spirit's power. And once you're convicted of sin and once you're born again and once you're saved, then what? What do I do now? Now I'm just a dirty spy. No, no. I mean, don't you feel like a you know, weird spy sometimes? You're spying out the land like, really bad guy. You go into the store, you're like, ugh, bad guys everywhere, you know. Hey, Lord, there's bad guys everywhere, just checking in on you, you know. And the Lord says, I know there's bad guys everywhere. What are you talking about? You're full of power. What for? To be witnesses. Let me just trip out for a second with you. Because we love the Holy Spirit. Do you not love the Holy Spirit? Have you, have you felt the Holy Spirit before? I mean, don't you love it when you just get anointed with the Holy Spirit and you're crying? You know, you know, it feels so good. Just, you know, did you know that's not the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy, Holy Ghost goosebumps? 
That's not the primary purpose. The Holy Spirit's not just walking around trying to give us back rubs, you know, and, you know, and give us big hugs. And he does that. He does that. He hugs you. He loves you. He takes care of you. But the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit, if you look at the scriptures, once you've been convicted of sin, once you've been saved, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a witness to the people around you. And in your flesh, in your inability, in your own smallness, you can't be a witness to people. You just want to be a dirty spy. You just want to tell on people and criticize people and find, check out what's going on and, you know, and God says, hey, I want you to tell people how to get saved. Now, I'm not sure how this resonates with you, but this is a huge challenge for me. Because everywhere I go, I have to make a decision. Do I really want to witness to this person? Even just be loving or pray for them? Do I really, or I just want to kind of spy on them? <laughs> just a little bit, you know, I just want to spy on them a little bit. Let me give one more illustration. In a steam locomotive engine, when they would fire it up with coal and wood and it would create this steam. And that steam would then begin to move the engine down the tracks and the people within the train would then move from one destination to the other. The power of the steam was intended to move people to the next destination, amen? But there's another purpose of the steam in a locomotive engine and that's to toot the horn. You know, you ever see your train whistle? You know, and the steam does that but that's not the primary purpose of the steam. It's secondary. So many people don't understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit in their life. They want to go to a conference and they want to get the Holy Ghost rush and they want to speak in tongues and they want to, do, 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 you know, want to do something you know, kind of for themselves and to express the power of the Spirit when in reality the power of the Holy Spirit, settle in, think this through the rest of your life, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is intended to give you power to take people from one destination to the next, to move them where they're at to where they need to be, you, you included. And we, get, we, get, we mistake this so often. We forget. I just love, we, we did a podcast on Tuesday talking about chapters one and two, and it'll be on, available later. And as we were talking about this, I just was freaking out about these spies who literally came back without like a spy report at all. They didn't come back with some military campaign. They're like, hey, turns out everybody's super afraid of us. It's gonna be a super easy cakewalk. And then they must have, it actually says in chapter two that they, it doesn't tell us, but it says that they told Joshua everything that befell upon them. And I'm sure they're like, oh, by the way, before we go in there, uh, there's this one gal named Rahab. Okay, just, you know, she's our new best friend. Super cool. Yeah, she's a harlot. Yeah, we'll explain that later. That's his fault, not mine. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea, you know, this guy. You know, they're pointing at each other. And, and all of a sudden, this became a very big deal. This, this harlot thing, this Rahab thing. And Jericho was already given to them. It was already a promise. It was, already, it, was, it was a cakewalk. But so important was the people and the person that God was saving through the witnesses that went in. And I just want to extract that in this Old Testament picture before we now move into this New Testament study of the book of Joshua. And I want us to apply those thoughts deep into our life. And let me just, as a matter of fact, let's just teach it. And let's just see what happens here. Look at verse one of chapter three, because we've got to get through the, oh man, how are we going to do this? You guys have to pay attention, pay attention. It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove. We learned yesterday, or should I say last Sunday, that the largest nation is procrastination. Not with Joshua, though, he got right after it. He did things early in the morning. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17 says, I love those who love me and blessed are those who seek me early. Seek him early in the morning. Seek him early in your trials, early in your challenges, 
early in all the things in your life. Just learn to seek the Lord early. There's a special hidden blessing there. Jesus, by the way, modeled this in his life. He got up before the disciples did and sought the Lord early before he picked his 12 disciples. He sought the Lord early in the morning. Look what happens, though, as they came now from Acacia Grove, verse one, right in the middle, and they came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, stop right there, eyes up here. For three days now, God's moving, let's go. And as soon as they start moving, they get as far as the, what's it say? It starts with J and rhymes with the Orden. Jordan. And for three days, they're camped there. Now, I've been to Israel twice, and the Jordan River is not that big of a deal right now. 2,000 years later, it's kind of like just a small river. It's like the Aquinabay River up by Eddyville. It's not that big a deal. Some places it's wider. It's not a big deal. In Bible days, it was a big deal. We're going to see at the end of chapter 3, it was actually the rainy season, so it was swollen. Some speculate in certain places it could be a mile wide. This was a big, raging river. And so for three days, they're like, all right, let's go. Let's camp right here in front of this huge river. Flooded. And for three days, what was those three days like? Like every day they're like, wake up in the morning, like, I think it got bigger. Where's it at? What are we going to do for three days? I'm not sure if they were encouraged and they're excited or if they were noticing there's a huge obstacle in front of us. I feel that God's leading me and guiding me in this area of my life and I feel that God's for me. But the first thing I see is an obstacle. How many of you guys have had this reality in your own life? or maybe in your marriage or in a ministry or in some effort to step out and do something, some discipline, some sacrifice. Like, yeah, that sounds like the right thing. God must be leading me and you say, I do, or you say, let's go, or you say, we will, and immediately you're made aware of the obstacles in front of you. Has this happened to anybody? Let me just tell you right now. God is more interested in the process than he is the product. He is more interested in what he's gonna do in you than what he's gonna do for you. He will do for you whatever he wants, man. Don't even worry about it. He'll do for you what you can never do for yourself. But he's more interested in what he's gonna do in you, and the only way he can do something in you is by placing you in front of obstacles. Not one amen. Love it, love it. Because I get it. I don't want obstacles either. I'm like, what? What's gonna happen with this Jordan? We crossed over the Red Sea. Everywhere we go, there's obstacles. One pastor put it this way many years ago, and people have repeated him, that before God uses a man greatly, often he has to hurt a man deeply. No amens. No amens there either. You know, I, I get it. Because I don't want obstacles. I don't want to be hurt. I just want smooth sailing. Says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I would snap my fingers and do my own thing. But instead, I'm going to work in you because God is just as involved in the details and the development and even the drudgery as he is the done deal. And some of you right now are in the details. You're in the drudgery. Okay, you're in the process. You're like, what's going on? I thought God led me to this marriage. I thought he did. I thought this was supposed to be where I was supposed to be and I thought it was gonna be good, but it's difficult now. It's difficult, right? I started doing stuff. I started tithing to the church or showing up. I started, and now I'm tight on money. This doesn't make any sense. God said he would take care of my needs and now there's a challenge. There's an obstacle. And when you realize this and you understand this, and man, I just, I wish I would get this. I still do not react perfectly whenever I see an obstacle in front of me. I still do not react wholly every single time. Sometimes in the flesh, I'm like, I'll get rid of this obstacle, you know. And the Lord says, no, no. I put that there on purpose. Because God has asked each one of us to partner with him 
and to trust him that he will finish the work that he began in us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys want to be successful and strong in the things that God has called you to be and do? How many of you guys want to be successful and strong? Okay, finally an amen from somebody. Okay, I want to be strong and I want to be successful. It's not just going to be handed to you. Strength and success is going to be given to you because that's what our God does, but it's going to be through a series of obstacles and it's never going to end until the day you see Jesus face to face. And in that day, that glorious day, it will end, by the way. Amen. But now's, amen. But now's, <laughs> I'm going to get amens the rest of the day, you know. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but now's go time. Now's work in time. On purpose, God will allow you to go through difficulties and obstacles. You guys ever heard of a guy named Theodore Seuss? Theodore Seuss? Dr. Seuss? You heard of Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss, before he became successful as a children's author, he submitted his first work to 27 different publishers. All 27 publishers said, this is garbage, go away. Until finally he had a friend in the business that said, you know, it actually is garbage, but I'm going to help you anyways because he's my friend. Let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and get this out of there. Let's, let's figure it. You can go be a car salesman, but you can't. And, and Dr. Seuss goes down in history after that obstacle, the greatest children's author everywhere. You guys ever heard of Steven Spielberg? He applied for film school in Southern California and was rejected from film school not once but twice. He had dyslexia in school, couldn't really learn, didn't have very high test scores. He overcame those obstacles. Walt Disney worked at a newspaper, um, a play, a newspaper one time <clears throat> and was fired by the editor of the newspaper for lacking imagination and having no good ideas. Walt Disney, and he, you know, and he overcame that. Jerry Seinfeld, one of the greatest stand-up comedians, made one of the first shows about nothing. That was the whole Jerry Seinfeld show. It's a show about nothing. It's going to be brilliant, you know. Jerry Seinfeld, the first time he was on stage as a comedian, froze solid, was booed off the stage, and said nothing and walked off. Next day, he came back, got over that obstacle, and became one of the most successful people in that industry. Listen to this guy's rap sheet. Lost his job in 1832, uh, defeated for legislator 1832, failed in business 1833, elected finally to legislature 1834, wife dies 1835, nervous breakdown 1836, defeated for Speaker of the House 1838, defeated for nomination for Congress 1843, elected to Congress 1846, lost renomination 1848, rejected for land officer 1849, defeated for the Senate 1854, defeated for nomination for Vice President. 1856, again defeated for Senate 1858, and elected to the President of the United States of America, 1860, Abraham Lincoln. A series of obstacles that could have taken him out, should have taken him out. It said he actually went to war and led in the war as a captain, and when he was done serving, he came out a private. He was demoted while leading in war. <laughs> he, went, he was like, I mean, this guy should, have, what's he going to do with his life? Uh, president. Well, beyond a penny, no big deal, you know? In God we trust. Stephen King had his first book he ever wrote uh, rejected by 30 different publishers. Uh, Michael Jordan, I love this one. Michael Jordan was actually cut from his high school basketball team by the coach. It wasn't good enough. Can you imagine being that coach to this day? I mean, to this day, they're not going to let him choose anything. Hey, what do you want for dinner, Dad? Just kidding, you don't get to choose. You have no, you know... Never choose. You cut Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan did not let that stop him. I got two more, and I'm just going to move on as fast as I can. Albert Einstein did not learn to read until he was four. Or, I'm sorry, didn't speak until he was four, and didn't know how to read until he was seven. They thought he was mentally handicapped. Albert Einstein, the, the smartest person that we know, when, as a matter of fact, we think of somebody who's brilliant, we just say, oh, you're an Einstein. And he went on to change the world. Thomas Edison, one of the greatest developers and thinkers that we have ever seen, had over a thousand patents to his name. 
including improving on the light bulb. One of his early instructors said this about him, you're too stupid to learn anything. Thomas Edison. Obstacles. Obstacles. Let me ask that question. What obstacles are you facing right now? How's it going in your marriage? How's it going in, 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 in the ministry that God's called you to? How's it going in your own? Right now, you're very aware of this stuff. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's physical, emotional, maybe it's spiritual. You're like, dude, this is, this, is, this is an obstacle. This is tough. For three days, they sat there and looked at the Jordan. And like, When's it gonna stop? And maybe it got big. I don't know. And I just wanna encourage you. As a matter of fact, three days can seem like a long time. Amen? It can also be a very short time. Depends on how you look at it. It could be so long, but it could also be very short. And let me just point this out, because look at verse uh, three. I don't think we're going to finish the chapter today. And it says this in verse three. And they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall go out from your place and go after it. Stop right there, eyes up here. For three days, and the officers gave them instructions that as soon as you see the ark of the covenant, which is the presence of God, moving with the priests of God and the leaders of God, then you shall go after it. These are the instructions, but until then, just sit and stay and make it pay. Just sit still. Let me say something about the Holy Spirit. Three days could be a long time or could be a very little time. Regardless, it's time, okay? It's time. Wrestle with this fact I'm about to say. Being filled with the Holy Spirit takes time. How much time? I don't know. How much time is it gonna take? Jesus lived on planet Earth for 30 years before he was baptized, came up out of the Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. 30 years, Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna go on record and say he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit prior to that, but there was a moment in time where the Holy Spirit came upon him, time. After that, for 40 days, he was taken into the wilderness and tested by the enemy, 40 days. That sounds like a long time. Might not be very long, but it sounds like a very long time. No food, no water, pure testing. Jesus died on the cross and for three days was in the tomb. That sounds like a long time. Could also be a short time. It's time. And when Jesus came out, he overcame sin and death glorified body and then he gave instructions and on the day that Jesus rose from the dead from that day there was 50 days till the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost 50 days could be a long time sounds like a long time could be a little time depends on how you look at it it's time and not only was it 50 days from that but Jesus ascended and on the day he ascended 40 days after the ascension he told the disciples go into Jerusalem and wait and 10 days was required Can you imagine going to a 10-day prayer conference with no outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I can't imagine 10 minutes. They did it. They waited. Now, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Acts chapter 2, there was 10 more years before the Gentiles would get the Holy Spirit. Here's my challenge, and here's my challenge, is that being filled with the Holy Spirit takes time. Jesus said it this way, if you ask from my Father, of the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. But only do this, ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Paul would go on to reiterate that and say, desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Make room for them in your life. Do something different than you've done yesterday to have more room with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna have a desire, you're gonna have this want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let me help you to wrestle with this. In the book of Acts, the New Testament, which is where we're living right now, current day, right now, The Holy Spirit's flowing. He's alive and active. There's a small group of Christians out there that believe that the gifts and the power and the activity of the Holy Spirit has been put to rest. It was only used in the book of Acts and for the writing of the scriptures. And as soon as the book of Revelation was finally penned, the Holy Spirit stopped moving in the way he did in the Bible. 
Sorry, not sorry. Okay, the Holy Spirit's still moving. He's still moving. And maybe you've been waiting 10 days, 10 years, 50 days, 50. Maybe you've been waiting. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the church filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Quickly, those of you who studied this out, you'll remember this and know this. The Holy Spirit has three relationships with us. He's with everybody in the whole entire world. He's with them, wooing them to Christ. They're not saved. He's wooing everybody. He's with, right alongside. And when you get saved through his word, through his spirit, through his body, through his creation, you give your life over. The Holy Spirit comes in you. He goes from with to in, and you're born again. Oh, glorious day. And then the Holy Spirit is with you for the rest of your life. And then there are moments, many, often, prescribed, surprising Moments in your life where the Holy Spirit goes from with to in to upon, where he comes upon you for works of ministry, for acts of service, for sacrifice, for discipline, for resisting sin and temptation, for loving, for forgiving, for walking in miracles and signs and wonders, for just being filled with the Holy Spirit and being anointed to be a husband or to be a wife or to be single or to be married or to be a mom or to be alone or to be with people. You ever need an anointing just to be with people? Hello, Holy Spirit, help me, you know. (laughs) And I just want to encourage you. I was saved at age eight years old. Eight years old, I was saved. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I had saving faith, believing faith. And I I never doubted. I I wavered in my lifestyle many, many times. Still do. I make wrong choices. But I never wavered in my faith. I always knew. I know that I know that I know that I know. However, it wasn't until I turned 21 And when I was 21, I had somebody pray for me and lay hands on me. And I wanted and desired and asked for a filling of the Holy Spirit. I asked for it. I want, I need your Holy Spirit. I need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whatever gifts you've chosen for me, whatever gifts you deem my life needing moving forward, would you fill me and anoint me with the Holy Spirit? And I received the gift of the Holy Spirit at age 21. That's a time gap. That's a big time. And I didn't have a prescription. Nobody gave me. It just happened in my life. I went to a Christmas or a New Year's Eve service and this pastor said, if anybody wants the Holy Spirit, come find me and I will pray for you and you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit according to the gifts that he's gonna give to you. And he gives gifts differently in a variety of ways. And wouldn't it be radical of South Beach Church if you all took inventory later today or even right now and said, Lord, I've been waiting a while. Maybe you know, maybe you have a date like I do when I was 21 on January 1st at the Newport Foursquare Church here in town as I drove here all the way from Ashland with a suspended driver's license. Sorry, not sorry. I did what I had to do. And I got here and I drove home with a suspended license and filled with the Holy Spirit, go figure. And I went home and entered into the ministry. And maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know if I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I have. I'm saved. You better know that you're saved. Jesus saves. That's what he does for you. Don't doubt that. You are saved. If you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and he's raised from the dead, boom, you're saved. However, these are God's children. Guess where they're at? On the east side of the Jordan. They're not where they're supposed to be. They're not in the promised land. They've wavered through many, many reasons and God doing a work in them. And now they're about to go over the Jordan River. And it's a picture of the process and the principles that we experience in our own life. Let's not finish this chapter. It's not gonna happen, but let's cover a few more verses. He says in verse three, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall go out from your place and go after it. What's he say? When you see God move, go follow him, amen? When you see God move, and I believe most of you have done that. That's why you're at South Beach Church right now. He's moving now. George DeSoto, a a proof of God's moving in this town, absolutely. 
And when you see God moving, can I just, and you who are watching at home online, or you who are here right now, if you see God, okay, in his presence, follow him. And if you see God with his people, men and women, and you see a move of God in a church or with something going on, and it's backed by the scriptures, man, you run there, you go after that church. How many of you guys had to drive by a restaurant to get here this morning? You had to, you had to pass a restaurant on purpose to get here. Four of you, the rest of you live in the parking lot, good for you. You had to pass restaurants. You had to pass stores. You had to pass other churches to get here. You had to pass other things in order to get here this morning because the Lord's here and he's moving and God's people are here. And he says right there, when you see God moving, man, go after him. Let him lead your life. As a matter of fact, as we continue to explore this chapter, let's just end on that thought. Let him lead your life. Let him do what he wants to do in your life every single day. Where you at, Lord? What are we doing? Where's the mission? Where's the people of God? What's happening? And you and your knower, your discernment will know where God is leading and where, listen, and where God is not leading. You know, your knower knows. And as soon as your knower knows, he's not here anymore. Okay, don't spaz out. Just get up and find him. Find out where the Lord has led you. Find out where the Lord is leading you. Let God lead. As a matter of fact, look at verse four. He says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. That's so rad. All right, guys, when you see God and his people moving, go after it. But hey, don't get too close. What? Don't get too close. Because if you get too close, you're going to not just be letting God lead, but you're going to be forcing God to do things that he doesn't want to do. Stay back just a little bit. 10,000 feet, by the way. 10,000 yards. 10,000 feet, this would be 10 football fields. Okay? About a half mile. This would be a long distance, if you would. And the idea is let God lead and watch out for the two ditches. We have two ditches when we let God lead. Number one is we get in his way. We get in front of him, don't we? Okay? Have you ever let God lead, but you begin to make all the decisions? Wives? No, I'm just kidding. So, I'm kidding. It's not even funny. And we tend to coach the Lord and do it. He says, hey, don't get, just give me some space. Let God lead, but let God work. Now, we can do two things. There's two ditches. We can let God lead us, and we can get in front of him, or we can lollygag way to the back of the pack. You ever done that before? We've done this before. God's leading. There's things going on. You're way in the dark. You're way in the back. You're not going to church. You're not reading your Bible. You're not in fellowship. And you're wondering, where's God in my life? And God is literally doing things. And there's two ditches. And he says, when you see God, get up and go. Put your eyes on him. You ever heard that saying before? Just keep your eyes on the Lord, bro. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. Just keep your eyes on. Did you know if you keep your eyes on the Lord, he'll tell you exactly what to do? You won't miss a beat. As a matter of fact, good coaches, good athletes, good partners in ministry or in business, good friends. You don't even need to speak. You can just communicate, listen, by keeping your eyes on somebody. We know what's going on. I know what that means. One time I was up here playing the djembe. It was real fun. And we had Gary Ray from Nashville, Tennessee, and he was here leading us in some worship many years ago. And I, I said, can I play djembe with you? And he was so kind. He's like, for sure. I was like, no way. I better learn how to play djembe, you know? And, and he let me play it. And but I remember he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you what to do. And he said, when I go down like this, he said, that means to slow down. And when I go up like this, that means to go faster and come in. And he, just, he was just having a fun time. He looked at me, he's like, mm, you know, just gave me the signals. And I just kept my eyes on him. And man, we were just having this whole time together, just he and I. Nobody else knew what was going on. Now you guys know what was going on. Secrets out. <laughs> Did you know that you can just keep your eyes on the Lord and he'll show you exactly what to do? I don't want to miss this point. I want to put it together. 
He says that this is a new way you've never gone before. For most of us, that's uncomfortable. I don't know what we used to do. Remember back in the day when you take a road trip before you had a map on your phone? Remember before? You would actually print stuff off like mapquest.com and there'd be like 18 pages, you know? And, and, and some, we even had atlases and maps in our car. Remember those days? Man, everything was black and white. It was horrible. Those were the weird old days. And now we have maps. You, you plug in. I don't know how you guys do it, but when I plug in an address into my phone, I don't even listen to any of my own logic anymore. I do whatever she says. I mean, whatever, take a right, take a left, go faster, slow down. Uh, you ever, I find myself on some of the weirdest routes. Like, I, I, don't, I would never choose this route, but this is the way Siri wants me to go, and I just go there. So to the Lord, if you trust him, and Siri's not the Lord, amen. But if you trust the Lord, if you truly do, you don't know the way. I'm not even worried. I got a map. I'll figure it out. The worst is when you talk to somebody nowadays, and they give you instructions to their house. Like, I don't want any instructions to your house. Give me the address, you know? I will get instructions from someone else. How do you not? Left, right, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Lord's gonna guide them. They had way less sophisticated mapping systems. You know what they had? The Lord. He's gonna guide them. This is fun. This is exciting. Last thought, I know, do I have time for that? I'm gonna just read it and we'll study it next week. Verse five, last thought of the day. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is the instruction before they're to rise up and they're gonna cross over the Jordan River. Sanctify yourself for the Lord's gonna do wonders among you. This idea of sanctify, the last time we saw this was from Moses to the children of Israel in Exodus and it literally meant go take a shower, get cleaned up, get ready, get consecrated, we're crossing over, we're doing something. Get things in order. Do some housework, do some cleanup because we're about to do something that you've never done before. May the Lord give us application, what that means. In Jesus' name, we're gonna pick up right where we left off. I'll use one illustration. Have you ever gone to the store and bought too much food where you don't have enough room in your fridge? Not anymore because the prices are too high. It's never gonna happen again. Back in the day, we do it all the time though. You come home, you get these deals, and it doesn't fit. And the only way to make the new groceries fit is to go through your fridge and find the old stuff that needs to be thrown away, the stuff that hasn't been used since 1983, you know, the stuff that's growing, it's, it's, it's like multiplied in there. It's not supposed to multiply in the fridge. It's not supposed to happen that way. Listen, the only way to make room for new things is to get rid of the old things. Let me say it this way. You can't have more of the Holy Spirit in your life right now. I just, I promise you without getting rid of some of the old things in your life to make room for God. And I wonder if that would be some of the sticking point in our life right now. Why, why am I struggling with this obstacle? Why is this obstacle so formidable? Why am, I, why am I struggling so much in this area? And the Lord says, hey, sanctify yourself. I want to do wonders among you. And I'm not sure if that strikes a chord with you, if you want the Lord to do wonders in your life, or if you're just satisfied with $3 of God, you go to the gas station, I'll just take three bucks, I don't want a full tank of God, just, just a little bit. Or if you want as much of God as there could possibly be in your life, this is the challenge, this is the offer, this is the opportunity, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. I really believe that God is gonna go for us, before us here at South Beach Church, and he wants to use each and every one of us, and he wants to do glorious things in our life for his glory and others' good. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we honor you. We love you, Lord, and we give our lives to you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for not just saying you love us, but for demonstrating it on the cross, for giving yourself over, Lord, to a God-forsaking 
Christ-rejecting, sinful world, and you came lovingly, sacrificially, and we repent one more time, and we're here this morning, and we say, Lord, have your way. Maybe before I even close in prayer, I would just if you want the Lord to have his way in your life, you want to follow him if he moves, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you want to deal with the things that are possibly getting in the way, would you just raise up your hand right now if you'd be so bold to say, yes, Lord, have your way. I don't just want to sit in a pew. I don't just want to go home. I don't just want to say I'm a Christian. I want to act and be and live as a Christ follower. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to follow you everywhere you go, and I want you, Lord, to show me the things in my life that need to be removed so I can have more of you, Lord. My hand is up as well. Forgive us of our sins, but we trust you, Lord, to do that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead us and guide us. Bless us, Lord, the rest of the day. Forgive me for going over, Lord. May the Sunday school workers forgive me as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, let's be excited about what God's doing. Be praying for the church tomorrow as we go to Western Title and thank God for what he's done and what he's doing and where he's going to guide us. May the Lord go with you as well and bless our community and all the events. God bless you. You guys are dismissed.